Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to fully trust with my wellness, and I'm so excited to share with you one of their brand new products, Harmony. That's H-A-R-M-O-N-I. Harmony is a doctor-formulated blend to ease PMS symptoms. I was a part of the beta testing for this line, and wow, it has been a game changer. So Harmony is a CBD product that actually offers that PMS relief. And if you're anything like me, PMS comes with cramps and cravings and kind of feeling like a bloated roly-poly, just rolling around. But since I started taking these little gummies each month, my symptoms have lessened and I feel more like myself no matter where I'm at in my cycle. This combination of CBD, dandelion root, B6, and magnesium make this little gummy so worth it. And their raspberry lemonade flavor seriously stops my sweet tooth from taking over. And we all know I have a sweet tooth. So the co-founder, Angie Lee, developed this product after struggling through her own journey with intense PMS. And I'm so excited to share them with you now. As you may know, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Can't suggest it enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash soul, S-O-U-L, to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use your code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. U-Turn friends, it's Ash here, and I'm really excited to bring who doesn't even realize that they are my new friend onto the podcast. We have Harry Santaolala. Did I say that right, Harry? Yeah, no, that was spot on. Spot on. Uh, And okay, so Harry, first of all, you need to check him out on Instagram at Harry Santa, which I mean, so fun. And also he's a business owner, an auctioneer. Um, also he has so many different hats that he's worn in business, but it looks like he's pretty much all over New York city hosting very large scale events. And he's an expert on raising money, especially for things with a cause. And I wanted to have him on to talk about how you can start to own the room, how you can build your charisma, I know that sometimes it can feel really inauthentic to try and have charisma, but I do think that taking a blend of insight and structure from someone who has it um, and is using it in their career and being able to find your own way with it is such a powerful tool. And, you know, in these weird times, we can all use a little more success. So um, without further ado, thank you so much for coming on to my crazy show and being with me. Thanks for having me. No, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, I I know that you are naturally someone who has fun with people, but have you always been this way? I know you've been in business as well. Like what inspired you to go this direction and to be so aligned? Like did this show up early in life? I have so many questions. Yeah, I I think um, for me, I I have always enjoyed, I, I guess, sort of performance and sales is kind of, you know, the two are very aligned. Uh, I've always 
you know, from a young age, I was always on stage in plays and, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I guess it was, it wasn't, although it was a very organic transition to end up on stage, it was a very sort of strange route that I took. Um, but sort of by organic, I mean, I just kept sort of following opening doors and, uh, and just saying yes to things. Um, but as my mom said, it's not a coincidence that I ended up on stage eventually. And um, even though it started with the creation of business, you know, back home in London, or oh, I say home, I've now lived here seven years, but um, although it started with a, with a tech business in London, um, when I moved over to New York, it, it started to become very apparent that there was an opportunity there on stage. And it's something I, I you know, I really love to do. So yeah, I, I would say it's kind of always been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and I know that you probably have all sorts of different friends. Like one thing people tend to be surprised about with me is that even though my work is very extroverted in nature, and I think the workforce is built on extroverts, you know, unfortunately and unfortunately, you know, I think there's a lot of introverts that are trying to have their voice at the table. Um, as someone who's a natural, do you have any thoughts on what someone can do who's a little more introverted because I'm sure you've been around that and you've had to work with those sorts of personalities too, um, to still kind of have that sense of self to own the room, um, or just break out of their shell a little bit. Is there some sort of mindset that you have that you can impart? As in when I get on stage yeah. or, or speak? Or yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> sorry to cut you. Yeah. I think, um, there's a, I, funnily enough, I get asked a lot from friends or, or or colleagues who may define themselves as introverts. You know, they, they will often reach out if they have a, a public speaking or maybe they are, you know, doing a speech for a best man as uh, or, you know, something along those lines. And they'll often ask for tips on on what I think will help them during that period. And truthfully, I always sort of say the same thing when you get up on stage and whether you're introverted or not, the audience is on your side. Number one, like they really, they really are. It's very rare that an audience is sat there sort of hoping it fails. So just know that you're on the same team. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, I always just say, look, take the first 10 seconds to look around the audience, try and catch as many eyes as you can and just smile at them. If you smile at people, it's, it's almost impossible for them not to smile back. That I mean, that's applicable anywhere. You know, on on the subway when you're walking around, you know, people people give New Yorkers a hard rap, but you smile at them, they'll smile right back at you. So, in and and the same is on stage. You know, I I, I it's the first thing I do every single time I get up. The first thing I do is I look around the audience, I take my time, and I smile at them, and they'll smile back. And then the final point is um, keep it short, keep it efficient. And empathize with the audience because you may be an introvert, but you don't need to sell yourself up there. You know, you don't need to prove your value or your worth up there or that you should be on stage. The bottom line is whatever the role is, whether you're giving a speech about, you know, a bride or a groom or whether or not you're up there selling items on behalf of an amazing charity, the bottom line is you have a role to do. And the faster you can get it done and the more efficiently you can do it, the more the audience will probably appreciate it because 
we've all been in that position, right? When you've been in an audience and you've kind of questioned like, Ugh, this is going on a bit long, you know? So, um, and so introverts out there, you know, for the extroverts, I've seen many honorees who have taken 20, 25 minutes to accept a glass of water up on stage and everyone's been like, okay, we've, we get it. Um, we time to move. Yeah. yeah, time to move on. Um, for the introverts out there, um, you know, you, you don't need to spend much time up there proving the value of your worth. Just smile at the audience, know that they're on side and, um, and get the job done. I love this. And I know that um, when you are operating out of trying to prove your worth, it can really run the show. Like I think about that in the workforce a lot. There's probably, you know, some of you listening right now where you go to work, if, if you're in an office and you're a total unicorn in this time right now, where you spend a certain percent of your day, whether you realize it or not, trying to prove yourself, whether that looks like sitting at your desk, trying to look busier than you are, whether that looks like trying to make sure your work gets seen by someone. And I do think that when you have that level of comfort with yourself, um, success is kind of evident and, and people can be more comfortable. And I love about the smiling. I mean, I'm just a naturally unusually happy person. So I walk down the street smiling and, and people are always smiling at me. I, I wave at people like I have a whole thing going on. But I think that that probably does apply, you know, not just with an audience and just in your everyday life. One thing I'm curious about is, have you had an audience where you do feel like your nervous system is super revved up? You're really nervous. Like maybe it's a higher stakes event or it's a bigger deal for your career. Because um, I know for me, my, I've been booking bigger speeches as I've been traveling. And, and lately it's been like, I don't know, my speaking agent, for example, I was talking to him about him. He doubled my rates out of nowhere. And I was just like, Whoa, you know, white male energy right there. Like just doubling <laughs> my rates out of nowhere. Right. And so it was an edge for me and I teach worthiness. I teach, um, I coach around this and I have a lot of it, but that event, particularly, I walked in feeling like, Whoa, do I deserve to be here? So has there been a time where your nervous system is revved up and nervous and how do you get yourself back to the ground? If, if that's happened for you? Yeah, I think absolutely. There, there, there've been times where you know, I say to clients, obviously, that all events are equal and we've got our goals, no matter what those numbers are, what the number of audience members is, you know, whichever venue. But the reality is those huge events, and I'm very fortunate to be on stage at a lot of those big galas. And um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And so the, it it does it it does mean that I am slightly more nervous with those high stakes events, but truthfully, I love it. Like I absolutely love it. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love those big pressure moments. I I'm completely unscripted. I and I do that intentionally because the fun is when you, I love to get into an audience and harvest the fun. That's where it is. So if I'm too scripted, A, I mean, it's a disaster because I'm dyslexic. And so me getting up there like, hi, I'm Harry. I'm just going to read to you. It's like, I, I just get, I trip all over my feet. I'm useless and, um, and no one wins. So I go up and I basically have a few numbers on a, on a page. One is how long I've got in order to raise the money. And 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 then 
to what the goal is financially. And then thirdly, a list of items that I've got to sell in order to hit that goal. And truthfully, there are times, particularly with the big ones, with those, those sort of glitzy, glammy events that you might read about, where I'm looking out in the audience, I'm like, what on earth am I doing? Like, how on earth is yeah. Rhiannon listening to me right now? Like, this does not make any sense whatsoever. But also, truthfully, I just embrace it. And I kind of laugh at it because it's kind of absurd, right? Like, who is this guy? He's nobody. You know, that he has no right whatsoever to be on stage in front of a bunch of these people, many of whom are some of the greatest performers out there, you know? And um, so it's almost ironic that I'm up there. So, but if you embrace it, what happens is the audience then sort of really buys into it. They, you know, you show vulnerability. You don't try and sort of pretend you're anything, at, you know, anything more than you actually are, which is someone who's up there trying to do their best, have fun and, and, and win them over. Because in the end of the day, if I'm doing a good job, the more often than not, the nonprofits that I'm supporting, they're the beneficiaries. Yeah. And, um, so you're connected so, to the cause too, which is really important. Like you really care about these nonprofits. Also, oh, you have a huge why and a heart for it, which which I'm sure helps. Oh, without question. I mean, actually, it's food for the soul. Like yeah. it is absolutely awesome. I get it's the trifecta. I get to, yeah, you know, number one, I get to go, you know, go up on stage and have fun with an audience, which for me, it like releases something. And I love it. It's such a good feeling. And there's no better feeling for me personally than having an audience like on side. Like, I mean, you know what that is, yeah. you know, when you just, you're just like, wow, like this audience is, is with me. And sometimes it's tough to even get them there. And actually, I love that even more. Once you get them on side and I always think to myself, you know, Harry, you got to be funnier or more entertaining than the person to their left or right so that they're not chatting and they're on side because the, the reality of what I do is like 95% of the people in the audience can't even afford to be buying the items I'm selling. I'm selling to 5% of the audience. Those are the high net worth individuals. And the reality is, is that ultimately I don't focus on that 5%. That's, I think that's kind of where my success has come from. Yeah. I focus on the other 95. I get into the audience. I get out to the far tables, get them on side. Because once that happens, that 5% of high net worth, they want to be part of the show. Yeah. If, they, if, they're, if they feel like they're holding up the run of show, they're not going to spend in the same way. Um, whereas if they want to be part of the show, they, you know, they better, they better bid, they better get going. And, yeah. um, and that's that for me is a lot of fun, but but yeah, as as you said, the a, a huge huge amount of of the um, personal satisfaction I get out of my role is that if I crush it on stage, if I do a good job, if I'm hugging clients at the end of the night, and I come off the stage high fiving them, it means that you know food deliveries are being made. Kids programs are happening. Cancer research is being funded. Like the, the organizations I'm, I'm fortunate enough to support are just doing such amazing work. And a huge part of my role is actually quantifying what each, you know, what each increment can actually mean for an organization. It's a big part of the role. I've got to let the audience know that, you know, what an extra five, 10,000, 100,000, even a million dollars can mean for the likes of UNICEF. Um, for the likes of American Heart Association, God's Love We Deliver, all these organizations that I'm I'm genuinely fortunate enough to to support. So 
the end of the night, I, I get to, you know, be on stage, engage with audiences. And for me, it's, it, it's just such an awesome feeling knowing that at the end of it, if it, if it all goes well, which, you know, more often than not, it does. I'm, I'm glad to say it, it means a lot of organizations are, are benefiting. I love that. And it, it's funny. I mean, I, I never really thought you're up, you're on stage and there's the Rihanna's out there, which is a whole nother level of nerves. Sometimes it's like the eyeballs that are on you, not just eyeballs on you, but the caliber in your opinion of, of who's watching or who's paying attention while well, you got to work, 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 work. I wondered if that was going to come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. yeah, yeah. That's of fair. course. But well, you know, it's funny because, um, I had a period of my life where I built a company, lost millions of dollars and felt, you know, so down on myself. And a lot of my friends were high net worth individuals, um, three of my closest friends married billionaires. So I'm very aware of their lives and they're very good people. Um, and it's funny because they would do a lot of events. And when they were short a speaker, they'd be like, let's throw Ashley up there. And I'd just be like, what am I going to talk about with, you know, what do you want me to do to help you guys with this? And um, what I've learned is that people are so drained by how serious things can be. It's so tiring. And when you can lighten up and play with people, it is, it, it, it play with people. Like the world is such a place you can play. Mm. And that's what you're telling me you're doing. Um, I think that people make so much meaning out of who's watching them or what it means about them. And when you can be free of that, it's like so many people want to be a part of that. And that's why authenticity is so awesome. Because if you're talking about the weather and you're trying to make small talk, it's like, it's like a monkey dance where we're just waiting to get to the point and, and, and it's a waste of people's time. Sometimes how it feels. Um, one thing though, that I want to make sure people know is, you know, obviously to me, at least being a good speaker or owning the room is about managing your nervous system. And obviously we have Harry over here, like came out of the womb, just like on a stage, in my opinion, but I am an introvert. Like I'm an extrovert introvert. Um, if I don't know what to do with people, I mean, obviously when it's my work and my job, I can get up there. But in my personal life, I don't know what to do with someone. I'm usually a little more quiet, trying to kind of figure out the room. And um, one of the things that has been so key for me is if you can't manage your nervous system, that's the first layer. So if your heart is like palpitating and you feel like you're going to pass out, obviously it's going to be hard for words to come out. So that comes down to how you talk to yourself. So anyone listening now, I would say, grab a piece of paper and write down, what are the thoughts floating through your mind before you get in front of a lot of people? What are the thoughts floating through your mind about yourself, about the world, about the situation? And can you forgive yourself for believing in some of those limitations? Because, um, you know, everything we think is made up. So you might as well pick some you know, fun shit to think so that you don't have to, you know, feel so sad about what you're thinking. Um, and for me, Harry, like when I started speaking, my first t- speaking opportunity ever, I was working in counterterrorism and I pulled a doozy on TED and they wanted me to give a TED talk about my career in national security in my 20s. And then I decided to start a coaching business and just pulled a total doozy on TED and showed up on stage and was like, I'm a career coach like 10 years ago or whatever. <laughs> and so I remember the, you know, it was my first speaking opportunity. There was 4,000 people in the audience, Guy Kawasaki, you know, evangelist at Apple, you know, he's going on stage doing his thing, like in his sleep, you know, he's so talented. And then I go up and I was terrified. Um, and for years I used to script everything I would say, cause I was so scared and it was completely coming out of a lack of trust in myself. And granted 
it was a TED talk. You probably do want to prepare at that level. But it hasn't been until recently where speaking doesn't feel like I black out and have a trauma response. I've learned to talk to myself backstage, say nice things to myself, speak kindly to myself. Um, and, and one thing that I'm wondering about a lot that you were sharing is kind of being entertaining, but how do you be entertaining and perform and not forget who you are? Because one thing I'm wondering, and I don't know if you just managed to be magical with this, but for me, it's been a challenge that I've had to navigate over years is somehow being myself and performing sometimes like even with dating in the past, like I, I felt like, oh man, I need to like be this entertaining person because as a kid, my dad, you know, always prized himself on how entertaining I was. He'd be like, look at her. She's a pistol. Like she's crazy. Um, and so I kind of learned to get love through being entertaining. And so it's been a huge exercise for me, um, in my love life and my personal life to just kind of like be, mm -hmm. um, so do you ever have a challenge with like turning on, turning off, feeling like you're not yourself? Like, how do you navigate that piece? What's going on, U-Turner? This episode, I wanted to take a moment to just acknowledge one of my absolute favorite brands in the world, making the biggest impact on my day-to-day -day beauty and its herbal face food. It's the only skincare product that I've become so obsessed with. I use it every day. I didn't even reach out and ask them to sponsor the podcast. I wanted to just stop by and highlight one of my favorite things. I am the first person to admit that I obsess over skincare. If I could make my skin look like I'm seven years old, I probably would. And I want to share with you the one thing that I've been using that has changed my skin, and it's the Cure product from Herbal Face Foods. So if you have acne or hormonal acne or even a melasma, any discoloration on your face, it literally cured my hormonal acne in less than two weeks. It left my skin feeling so soft, so smooth. And since I'm really particular about what I put in my body, I also care about what goes on to my body. So Herbal Face Foods product is made for 57 natural botanicals and their products are antiviral and yes they are so natural that you can literally eat them though I probably don't recommend trying to I loved it so much that I wanted to reach out to them and get a discount code for you so that you can experience them so just head on over to ashleystall.com slash skin that's a-s-h-l-e-y-s-t-a-h-l dot com slash skin and use the code ashley20 at checkout to get a discount on your order i love their serum and i love their cure product i use it every morning every night and it's just been such a game changer making me look younger my face look brighter i hear from so many of you i wanted instead of posting an ad right here to just share and shout out one of my favorite brands and give you this promo code of ashley20 over at herbal face foods Thanks again for tuning in and back to the episode. Yeah, I think if if I went just in terms of being on stage and as, as opposed to on, on the private life side of things, uh, which I think are two very different entities, to be honest, mainly because you know I'm paid to do my job and with that comes a certain amount of expectation and it's not just me I'm letting down if I'm not getting it right. Um, and I feel that pressure and it, it's important. I, I do get it right. So 
I think for me, when it comes to, I, I don't know, I, want to, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but. There is no such thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm very kind of, I'm always, always thinking to myself, whenever I'm looking out or I'm talking to people on stage and I have a job to do, I really do allow myself to be completely vulnerable with an audience. I don't really, because if you try too hard to be entertaining, and I've been actually in that position on dates or whatever, you're like, she's expecting funny. Like Harry, she hasn't laughed for two minutes. Like, you know, well, all of a sudden, you know, that, that will, it'll start to come out and it'll start to look a bit desperate. And audiences, they're not stupid. They can see that. They can feel that. So for me, when it gets to that moment of, is this audience entertained enough? Like, I really need to take a step back and not panic because I know, you know, truthfully, I've spent many, many, many hours on stage over the years and you just got to trust the process. I just know that at some stage, the right thing's going to happen. If I get out into the audience and I have Mm -hmm. fun with them, and I allow myself to be vulnerable. I, I don't put too much pressure on myself to like, I've got to entertain them. Why are yeah. you not like, you know, yeah. like that, that doesn't work. Yeah. For me, the, the, the audience responds super well when you allow yourself to be completely vulnerable and, and kind of laugh at yourself. It's quite a British thing as well. Like that, yeah. that's a very British trait. We're very self-deprecating and we, we, we do laugh at ourselves. You know, I'm the amount of times I've been on, you know, we're, we're midway through an auction and an item selling super high and there's, you know, bids flying. You know, there's a bunch of times I've been like, wait, who is winning right now? And at what price? Like, I, I should be better at this by now, but I've completely lost track of what's going on, yeah. you know? And immediately it disarms the audience. Everyone's smart, you know, because uh, I'm not trying to pretend to them I'm anything yeah. that I'm not. I, you know, I, I just, I want to be up there and I want to keep it moving. I want to have fun. I want people to give money with a smile on their face. And if I'm forcing it and I'm trying too hard to be entertaining, just like on a date yeah. or whether or not you're doing a sales pitch to your company, people can, they can see yeah. that because yeah. just like you, they're human and they understand human emotions and they can totally, you know, people just do not buy that bullshit. They absolutely well, see through it. Some people are really good, but the thing also is that you have to keep it up. So it's like, if you're being someone else, eventually who you are is going to win. It's going to shine through. You can't uphold it. And that shows up in your career and your friendships and your life. Like, so, um, and, and I also think this is about pushing things, you know, I used to be a big pusher, not with like everything, but in my career, I was so afraid of failure for years that I I created out of that, you know, and I talk about in my book, like we're all like cars driving around and we can have our gas tank full of inspiration or fear of failure and get to the same spot. It's just one way, a lot more fun. And, and for me, it was, um, realizing, you know, it's, there is so much truth and it's not even a spiritual thing that the things that are meant for you will come to you if you be you. And if you don't be you, you're going to constantly be attracting things that aren't really a fit for you anyway, which can be really exhausting. And and it reminds me a lot about, you know, when you push things, you're creating a result that isn't really what you want um, and because it's forced. And so I think just being you, it's, it's underrated as advice. It's said a lot, but really 
anyone listening right now, I would say, ask yourself, who are you? What are a few words that really show who you are and how do you show up in those words? So uh, my grandma, you know, another thing in the book that I wrote, I talk about how she used to tell me, be a goose. Like you don't need to go run after anything. Just be a goose, put yourself in the right field and Mm. let people come get you. Mm. And I think about that all the time when I go places, I'm like, I'm such a goose right now. Like, this is such a cool place to be. I'm sure something's going to come find me. And it always does. Um, mm. And, you know, oh, no, talk to me. I'm not too familiar with geese. What, what does that mean? But I, I, I'm, I, I'm nodding as if I understand it because I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. What do, what do you mean by that? Just like. I think, I think this is an analogy that I think I'm going to relate to, but at the same time, yeah. I'm not 100% sure. What, how do people find geese and, and what do you, where, where does Ashley fit into that? Yeah. So her big thing was, you know, um, instead, uh, like be a big thing in the right place and let yourself be caught. So she talked about that with love with me, where she would say, instead of chasing after something, just be this noticeable thing in the right place and mm-hmm. let yourself be caught. Um, so, you know, farmers will catch animals, catch cows, geese, whatever. And she's basically was saying to me, like, be in the right place and let yourself be catchable versus running away um, or right. not being in the right place. So I don't know how her, how deep her analogies were. She was like a church going, very sweet woman who had her own analogies and she would call a lot of things. I don't know if this is a thing being a goose, but that's what she told me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm goosing it up right now. I think I'm with you. Yeah. I think I get it. Yeah. 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 And you, you talk a little bit and by the way, like interrupt me, cause I'm just talking your ear off and this is, your, I'm supposed to be interviewing you right now. So I don't know what's happening, but um, you know, one thing you pointed out was kind of important to me was what's wanting to happen. So as a business owner, things come my way and they keep coming my way. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. damn, this must be wanting to happen. I keep attracting this. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like for you, um, you notice those little nudges like, oh, wow. Um, you know, my tech business is going to get benefit from me being on these stages. Maybe I should try that. Oh, wow. People are responding well to me. I think people are usually cut off and not noticing those nudges. So is there something you do to to notice those or is there some way that you get present with that or is that just natural for you to say oh wow you know intuitively this feels like the right path to go on Yeah without question it's it's something that I really have to practice every single day and that's being okay to fail like yeah. that it, that was a transformative moment around about 26 27 for me I, up until that point, I, I, <laughs> failure was failure. You know, I just, I, I, I sometimes shied away from things just for fear of not achieving it or failing. And the reality is if you're not failing at things, you're not trying, you're not, you're not allowing yourself to even go through, you know, go through doors that are wide open for you. And that's such a shame. And there's actually a book that I read every single year called Failing Forward. And um, it's by John Maxwell. I can't recommend it enough because it's essentially, you know, you're failing yourself if you're not allowing yourself to fail. Um, and so, yes, it was quite an interesting, well, maybe it's not interesting at all to other people, but it's not a... It's not a, a direct route that I took to what I'm now doing. 
And I certainly didn't arrive in America thinking, oh, I'm going to end up on stage, you know, three or four nights a week. That was certainly not on the plan. But as you said, my goal was to try and grow Gibbergy, the fundraising technology that we had created in the UK. And in order to grow that business, we needed it to perform well at events. So naturally, when it wasn't doing as well as it could, and I was sat in the audience just frustrated because the people on stage were just not, I don't know, it's not fair to say they weren't dynamic enough, but they, they certainly weren't, well, they weren't there is utilizing a the system. Well, maybe, I don't know. It's not for me to say what, what they were doing wrong, but they certainly weren't they weren't promoting the platform in the right way. They weren't allowing the audience to genuinely enjoy utilizing this like super fun and engaging platform that ultimately led to more money for organizations that really want, you know, to raise money, like a need to raise money. So I was sat in the audience like, ugh, this is ridiculous. You know, you don't allude to fundraising. Get them using it. Use the screens that are broadcasting how much is raised, which tables are raising the most. You know, if it's a corporate event, get it competitive. You know, why is why is the Pepsi table, you know, being outbid, the, you know, than the Coke table? Well, I mean, that's pretty obvious. But you know what I mean? Like, have fun with it. But yeah. they weren't doing that. So it was out of necessity that I got on stage. But truthfully, maybe three years prior to that, to, to arriving, even though I could see what the obvious solution was, which was me getting on stage and pitching to the audience how to utilize the system, um, I wouldn't have done it because I'd have been too scared of failing. I'd have been too scared of, well, what if I get it wrong? What if I say the wrong? Well, that happens the whole time. Yeah. It happens the whole time. I say the wrong thing or I mess up. I just own it on stage and allow the audience to completely, you know, I just allow, allow the audience to, to, you know, acknowledge I'm, I'm vulnerable. You know, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm the same as you and I make mistakes yeah. and, but I'm up here trying my best. And, and that then led to a few clients sort of saying, hey, like that pitch, you know, with the fundraising element, with the with the giveage, that went well. The audience responded well. Like, how about selling items while you're up there? And of course, my initial reaction is like, no, 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 there's, there's professionals that do that. There are auctioneers. There's people with, you know, certificates and those sorts of things. And that's that's my initial reaction, which yeah. is like, you know, just in view, Harry. But then more I think about it, it's like, well, why not? What is yeah. an expert? And what does yeah. that even mean? Like, oh my could, gosh, I could go on know? a whole thing with you on this. Yeah, it's like in the influencer world too. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, there are content creators out there putting magic out. And then there's other people who just learned how to get you to press the blue follow button. You know, there's a marketing strategy there. Mm. And it's it's amazing to, to really take a look at this idea of being qualified. I think that this is one of the most common questions people ask. I don't have enough experience you know, it reminds me of that Picasso anecdote where Picasso was like scribbling on a napkin and somebody wanted to buy it. And he said, it'd be a hundred thousand dollars. And the person was like, you just did this for five minutes. And he said, no, I've been doing this my whole life. And right. it's like who you are, the experiences you've had, um, they build you in a way that society doesn't seem to measure when it comes to like applying for a job. It's like, what are these experiences you've had? But it's like, not covering that weird conversation you had when you were seven and the 10 people you had to impress when you were 12 at a dinner party. Like there's so many different things that right. go into who you are. And, and I think your point about being experimental is huge and people don't make it safe for themselves to experiment. But to me, that is the only way 
to fulfillment. It's not like our first shot mm. out of the gate in our career and our lives is going to be the right shot. And that's the pressure people are putting on themselves, which is mind blowing to me that we say, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like with job hunting, people are like, I, my first job needs, I need to build it and grow it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, are you going to yeah. marry the first person you date in preschool? Like what a weird pressure you're putting on yourself. So, um, you know, you, you're clearly in the right path and there's a lot of harmony there, you know, because things keep coming to you when you're being you, it's, it's quite a good hack to having a happy career is, is being paid to be you. Um, and, and I would say, you know, you were talking about raising a million and a half dollars in 40 minutes. Clearly that doesn't, you know, stress you out. But another sales tip that you talked about was empathizing. So, you know, whether somebody listening right now has a sales call today for their client, they're out and they realize that even if they're a marketing coordinator, like, oh, this person I met at happy hour is a really ideal client for my company, which, you know, hack everyone. If you work at a company and you up revenue, no matter what your role, you're super valuable. Um, how do they empathize or what does it look like to empathize with somebody that you're selling to? What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ashley here. Sorry for the quick interruption. I realize I've been doing this podcast for years and I almost never talk about my ghostwriting and publicity company called Cake Publishing. We have some of the best writers I know writing New York Times bestselling books, writing wording for people's websites, emails, and so much more, as well as publicists who are incredible at getting you on television, whether it's Good Morning America, Today Show, or your local news. And we want to support you. We have been helping influencers, companies, and charities get their words and message out into the world. And we are so inspired by it. So if for some reason, you're a business owner or you work with a company that needs a ghostwriter for any reason, a speechwriter, or a publicist to get you out there into the world, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Or you can shoot me an email at ashley at cakepublishing.com. All right, now let's get back to this week's guest. I mean, I think no one wants to be sold, right? I think if you are on the receiving end of a, of a sales pitch, your natural reaction is actually to kind of shy away. Like if you feel like you're being sold too, then as the, you know, the receiver of the pitch or, you know, if you're in the audience, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel good, right? Like no one likes to be sold to. And that's what I mean by empathize with the audience, um, both in terms of I, particularly, particularly this, when you're auctioning at some of the bigger events where it's not necessarily the item that people are buying. They're swept up in a moment. They're caught up in like, you know, this, this particular moment where the whole audience is behind them and so is the organization. And, you know, they've actually completely lost sight of what it is that they're purchasing. But there's an element of ego that they don't want to lose, you know, publicly, of course. And, like, I absolutely love twisting the arms in that regard. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But, oh, my gosh, it's so much fun. Um, but at the same time, I've been sold to. And it's annoying. And you kind of, even if you want to, even if you want the product or the pitch or whatever it is you're being sold to, you, the unnatural urge is like, ugh, I don't want to buy this. I don't want to buy this from them because they're pushing too hard. So 
I empathize with that. Like I really genuinely do. I don't want people to ever feel like they're being coerced into mm. giving. Yeah. Um, whether that's in the in the auction or whether it's in the appeal, I want people to give with a smile on their face and to absolutely love it. Um, and so I don't, you know, there's all these books out there about, you know, spin selling and getting the buyer to, you know, almost sell the product to you. And there's all these horrible naff courses I'm sure you can go online and waste your money on. But the reality is, is that we're all humans. One's buying, one's selling. And whether that is on a date, uh, one-on-one, and you're both in the same sort of position um, and both buyers and sellers, I guess, in that regard, or whether you're up on stage in front of a thousand people and, and you need to raise $5 million to, to help an organization. Or by the way, you know, sure, the big events are the ones that come up. If you put my name in Google, I guess, but 90% of my events you wouldn't read about, by the way, you know, and, and they're happy if they raise a hundred grand, you know, yeah. and that's equally as fulfilling if you know that you can have that impact. But the bottom line is whether it's an audience that's looking to raise a hundred grand or 10 million, it's, if you put yourself in their position and you know what it's like to be sold at is probably the right word, then you can guard against it yeah. and you can try and make yourself, you know, far more likable and vulnerable and human. And that just leads to a much healthier environment in which people are going to buy from you, whatever that is. I love what you're sharing. It kind of reminds me of a mindset that I have. Maybe this will help someone, but when I am in a room of people I don't know, I tell myself everybody is like my uncle's friend. Like we're somehow like connected, but not so connected that I'm going to be unprofessional and weird. Like, I don't know what I'm working with, but it's my uncle's friend. So I'm going to be warm and say hello. I always think about that. So weird. I don't know where I got this from, but um, everybody's my uncle's friend. So I try to keep it warm, but also some level of distance um, and respect. And, you know, you talk about vulnerability and one person I love obviously is Brene Brown and her work on vulnerability. And she talks about drive-by vulnerability where you overshare and you're way too vulnerable. So I think that there's a, a, a sweet spot that you can share and, and find that space between what's personal and what's private and such a mm-hmm. distinction. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you? This has been so awesome that, you know, you want people to know. Otherwise, I'm so glad that we just did this. This was a great conversation. Briefly, I mean, nothing really is, is sort of coming to mind. I kind of feel like I may have just sort of talked at you at times as no. well. So uh, apologies for that. I, I do get kind of swept up. And um, it's a really interesting area. <laughs> New York, I've, I've fallen in love with the city. Like it really took me a while to get, to, you know, we were talking offline before that, you, you know, you just moved over and I hope we can sort of, um, you know, you can meet some of my friends and, and, uh, <laughs> for me that <laughs> New York really helped shape who I am and the, 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 the way in which I look at the world. I, I, I truly mean that like, I found it very tough when I first moved here. The first year, two years, it was it was a real slog. It was really, really tough. And even though I presented to the world that, you know, it was just this dream and I was out here, you know, making it happen, it was really hard work. And ironically, it's a very isolating place. If you, you know, it's the city that never sleeps, but at the same time, you can feel very, very alone in it very quickly. Um, and I kind of just... I think 
for me, the career development came from just a willingness just to say yes to things here in New York. And, and I, I kind of owe a lot to this city in that regard. There's something for absolutely everyone. And if you're not... If you're not in uncomfortable positions here on a regular basis, then you're not seeing enough of the city and saying and saying yes to enough things. And that, for me, helped you know breed an environment that I just kind of gave up on trying to be a success or yeah. you know only you know only succeed. I I was at some point that that light went off. I was like, you know what? Like, get out there and make mistakes. Say yes to things and get it wrong. It's okay. Like, it's all right. The city's full of people that that um, that inspire me to do that, and yeah. I'm so grateful to it. It's just awesome. I, I, I'm super grateful to it, and um, I really, I, I, I just love what we get to do, especially um, especially in this environment now where. I think people are starting to really work out. They're like, you don't have to be spending your day monitored by another human being in an yeah. office space. Um, you know, there's a lot more fluidity out there in this city. And I, I'm, I'm really liking that. I love that. You, you know, my weird goose tip from my grandma, like being in New York, I feel like you are kind of a goose. If you're out and about, there's just opportunity everywhere. And even being in America, like the, the amount of magic and opportunity that we have in this country is incredible, um, especially yeah. from me having worked for the government and seen so many different parts of the world. Um, thank you so much for coming on. You are so much fun. I hope you invite me as your little drone to one of your events so I can watch you work whatever yeah. you're working over there. I want to see it in real life. Um, and yeah, thanks again. My pleasure. I'm sure you'll be in the audience before too long. Um, and if, if, if not as my guest, I'm sure you'll be with some high rollers on the front tables. Oh no my doubt. gosh. Yeah. High rollers. I'll probably be eating all the desserts <laughs> in the corner, but, um, everyone, uh, Harry's on Instagram at Harry Santa and thanks again. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. 
Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.